Welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music, including my new track, Dog Park, is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you've got an extra buck or two that you wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Chuck Berry. I grew up thinking art was pictures until I got into music and found I was an artist and didn't paint. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 96. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you this week on a rainy chores-filled day here at my home in St. Paul, Minnesota. The Minnesota State Fair is coming up soon, and I'm so glad I don't live near there anymore. Last week's Geeks Wrap-Up. Thursday, Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at Lucky's 13 in Roseville, Minnesota. Thank you to the Minnesota Vikings for having a preseason football game and getting us out of the show an hour early. Friday, I played a solo show at Nova in Hudson, Wisconsin. Folks seem to be really tripping out over the new light show I've been piecing together. And thanks again to Mary for the cool photos. Saturday, Mr. Brian, Keith, Johnson, and myself rocked out at P.D. Pappy's Poop Deck in downtown Stillwater, Minnesota. was the last show for us there for the summer, and it was great to see celebrity guests such as Macklemore Corey, John Claude Van Damme, and our number one fan, Olivia. Sunday, I played a solo show at Paradise Landing in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. Had a fun afternoon working with Buddy Blake Radical. Also excited to hear all the cool plans for the upcoming Oktoberfest. Shows. Wednesday, August 16th, 2017, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Thursday, August 17th, I'll be playing a solo show at Tuttle's in Hopkins, Minnesota from 6 to 8 p.m. Friday, August 18th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota from 8 to 11 p.m. Saturday, August 19th, I'll be playing a solo show at Harbor Bar in Hager City, Wisconsin from 2 to 6 p.m. Guest this week is part two of three with the frontman slash singer-songwriter of the iconic Twin Cities rock band Flaming O's, Robert Wilkinson. We discuss Ben Kaplan's music trivia, changing Chuck Berry's guitar string, SG guitars, etc. Enjoy the conversation. (laughs) 
Mr. Robert Wilkinson of the famous slash infamous Flaming O's. <laughs> Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. How you doing, man? Still I'm, hanging in there? I'm doing great, man. Grateful to be here and uh, grateful to be anywhere, dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, love uh, hanging out and talking about music, and uh, thank you for inviting me, man. Heck yeah, we are still here at Hi-Fi Hair and Records uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it's just kind of a cool spot, and uh, just glad to be here. It's a rainy day out there today, but we're having fun here inside, and... Uh, Part two with Robert here. We're going to start with a question. Oh, I was going to tell you, first of all. Yeah. So I taught summer school um, uh, in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, two art classes and sure. directed this play. That's awesome. And so I was playing the Flaming O's on iTunes. It, it's They call the first two albums. Yeah. And um, I'd play that for the summer school kids all the time. And That's their, awesome. Their favorite song was Smart Girl. Oh, <laughs> With big ah stack yeah. vocal part, and yeah, stuff. yeah. So the, like, the summer school kids love Smart Girl. They'll be excited that you were on the show. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, give me a big. I'll give those kids a big shout out and uh, some big love and uh, <laughs> thank those uh, up and coming rock and rollers for their love. And yep. uh, no, that's great. You that's teach awesome. Them young. Yeah, what get them what get them while they're young, dude. Scene. Yeah. Um, I've heard about you stories about you for over the years through a couple of main people that. I knew when I was really, really young. Of course, our Ben Kaplan was my sure. drummer for the Whiskey Roses for many, many years. I know you were good friends with him and, yes. and did a lot of great stories over the years. I'll ask yeah. you about something like that. But I used to, many, many years ago, I'd open for you in Hudson. Okay. Uh, when I used to work with Jeff Johnson. Yes, Jeff. Jeff T. Yep. Of Another Carnival. Yep. Yep. And this morning cool as band. I was doing research and stuff, I was yeah. he's since passed as yes, well. Yes, he has, yep. And uh, for better or for worse, I went through a missing section of it today. I was looking at the old photos, listening to their old songs and yeah. stuff. So what? How, how did you know Jeffrey T.? Good question, um, I, and I unfortunately don't have a good answer. We met at some at some point, and I don't remember when because I'm a terrible historian. Um, I uh, have a lot of blank spaces in my head in history, uh, probably from indulging in a little bit too much of this and that, <laughs> but uh, as we all did. Uh, but we came. We met at one point, I guess. Maybe I think maybe did another carnival. We did some shows together, uh, and I, you know, just kind of, you know, you meet people throughout the years and in musical circles, and uh, I can't remember the exact how we exactly met or when we exactly met, but over the years, you know, we became friends, and you know, he used to throw out uh, those festivals down in Hudson, out yeah. there in the uh, uh, amphitheater along the river outside, and we did a few of those and stuff like that with him, and he was a great guy and always great to us, and. Always enthusiastic, and uh, uh, um, so yeah, um, 
just you know, as as a lot of us all meet over the years, just through friends of friends and musical circles, maybe doing shows together and stuff like that. I suspect something like that. That's how it came about and stuff. He was a great guy, though, and we we played some shows for him out there and uh, played some shows, I think, with another carnival and stuff like that. So, yeah, very cool dude. So I was digging through your Facebook page. Yeah. And uh, can you tell us about the 1966 band Brick? Yes. Where you guys did 100,000, or no, 100... Hours band marathon. marathon. Yes. What's that gimmick? Uh, that gimmick was a bunch of ninth graders going, let's do this. Because when you're ninth grade, you know, you have a tendency to think of all kinds of crazy shit. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, somebody dug out that photo. I, I think I still have that around. What happened was uh, I had just moved up from Iowa. I grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, till about ninth grade. And uh, I had some friends, and we had bands down there. We were starting to play uh, music. And, and then we moved up here to Edina. And um, uh, that was a big culture shock for me because... Uh, 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 it, I did not fit in at all, and I, I didn't like them, and they didn't like me. Um, I was uh, very much into my mod style of clothes, uh, you know, uh, wearing my hair down and stuff, and uh, I was in, all of a sudden, all of a sudden I was in a sea of Gantt shirts and wingtip shoes and uh, all these uh, Edina-ites, and, um, and here I was, this mod rock and roller and stuff, uh, and uh, I did not fit in, so I, I was subjected to some uh, some attempted forms of uh, of terror, <laughs> which didn't really work. I mostly just laughed at them and stuff like that. But along the way, I met some kindred spirits uh, who wanted to form a band, and uh, uh, we did form a band. It was me and a guy named Steve Smith uh, on vocals and a guy named Dave Smith on uh, drums and a guy named Gary Schooneman on guitar and a guy named Cliff Holm on bass. Gary Schooneman had kind of a farm uh, uh, and like this barn type of this, uh, uh, this uh, well, what do they call those hobby barn things, you know, those, uh, well, he had a space where we could all hang out and rehearse, you know, and play and Somebody came up with the idea, let's just, you know, for shits and giggles, let's do play a 100-hour marathon. So, as a well, we did. And as it turned out, the whole band can't play, you know, keep stay awake and play for 100 hours. But we hung out in this, in this barn, whatever, and there was always at least like two or three of us always going, you know, playing. Yeah. While others would have to go off and sleep or whatever. And there would be periods where the band would play all together, the five of us. And then periods where it just might be me and the drummer or whatever. So, um, but it still qualified as the band doing a 100-hour marathon. So we got a little press out of it and stuff. And it was basically just a gimmicky thing ninth grade kids would think of to do. And it got a little press, and, and lo and behold, here it comes, floating back up again many, many years later, and uh, definitely brings a smile to my face. Uh, some, of the, some of those guys were still around and come up to me over the years and come out to see the band and stuff like that, and uh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, nine, ninth graders uh, trying to uh, you know garner a little publicity and, uh, and rock and roll at the same time, so there you go. Can you remember any of the songs you were playing or covering at the time? 
Well, you know, it was all stuff like Gloria, Louie Louie, and Stone songs and Beatles songs and stuff like that. Um, so it was mostly that. You know, you play Gloria for 15 minutes and, you know, things like that. You know, The Last Time by The Stones and or, or It's All Over Now or... You know, whatever, you know, whatever we were, you know, we liked and were listening to. And I was a big Stones fan from the beginning and stuff like that. So I'm sure a lot of Stones stuff and Kinks and, you know, whatever this, you know, we weren't very proficient at our instruments at that point. But whatever, whatever uh, uh, Kinks, Stones, you know, Gloria, Louie Louie, uh, all that kind of stuff, you know. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kind of a little older time music like that, um, for the one year anniversary episode of this, I had... Our drummer, old drummer Ben Kaplan, awesome on here. Who I awesome know guy. Friends, weren't you even in his wedding? I think. Um, Ben, actually, Ben and Bob Burns sang at my wedding. Oh, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and they did an Everly Brothers song, and uh, it was awesome. Dream. Ben Kaplan is an awesome person and a talented, talented drummer. Um, when After the Flaming O's broke up, uh, uh, we kind of all went our separate ways and got married and had kids and stuff like that. And um, I still wanted to play music, so I started the Robert Wilkinson Band, and Ben Kaplan was in it, Bob Burns was in it, and uh, Gary Snow was in it for a while, and then... Uh, Jody Ray played bass in it for a while, too. We recorded two full-length albums, which are not released. There are two full-length Robert Wilkinson Band albums out there. One recorded at Blackberry Way with Mike Owens, and one recorded at Tracks on Fifth with Mike McKern, who recorded the first uh, Flamingo EP at Tracks on Fifth. But I went, me and, uh, we went back there later. These, for the reasons they're not released, is I think... Life events happened at the time, and we just never got around to putting them out. And I'm, I'm hoping to put those out someday because they're really cool, cool records. Ben Kaplan played drums. Uh, ben Kaplan did sound for us before uh, I started playing with him, and he started playing drums. He's a great, great drummer. That guy is solid as uh, just... I, I refer to him... You know, I'm, I'm a big Keith Richards fan, and, and, and you know, I... I, uh, my guitar playing and stuff, uh, you know, some of that might show through in my playing. But, I, you know, Je uh, Ben is one of these cats who I think of him as kind of like, um, he's kind of like uh, the Twin Cities, kind of like Steve Jordan type of drummer. He knows that you've revolutionized rhythm guitar, especially in rock and roll. I'll but, go know, with that. Yeah, 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 yes, that's true. I want to know... <laughs> What's the most important attribute you look for in a drummer? What I look for in a drummer is never to look at him. <laughs> you know, just solid. Can, can lock in on that groove uh, and just solid. No frills, no, you know, just whatever the song needs, he's there. And uh, 
And he's also the most, uh, whenever I need to know any music trivia, he's the guy I go oh, to because God. that cat knows. I mean, we used to sit and talk about music and trivia and all this kind of shit. And this dude, he's like the king, dude. But um, he's just a great guy. He's now playing with April Fool's. He plays with about five or six bands now. Oh, yeah. But he's with April Fool's, you know, uh, a band I like. And... Uh, I guess I'd wait forever Even though the train's gone left the station uh, He's playing, uh, I think he just played with American Housewife over at the Basilica, Basilica, Basilica Block Party who Terry Bratz is playing guitar with that who Terry was in, Terry married Mike Owens from Blackberry Way uh, and, um, you know, uh, Terry was with the O's on... Uh, on some on some uh, paint the sky and stuff. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a tight musical family. And wow! Stuff. But Ben time. Kaplan, uh, I just want to say, I love Ben Kaplan, and he's a great great drummer. So I do too. I I love him to death. What a great guy to ride awesome in, in a car with to a yeah. show. Yeah. Um, he turned me on to so many different bands over yeah. the years. Yeah. Number one for me would be Hound Dog Taylor. He got me oh, on yeah. that one. Uh, but he would tell stories and stuff. So when he was on the podcast, he was telling yeah. about the infamous. Mm-hmm. Slash famous Chuck Berry story. Ring, ring goes the bell. The cooking the lunch is ready to sell. And you're lucky if you can find a seat. And you're fortunate if you have time to eat. Back in the classroom, open your books. Give it that teacher, don't know how many she looks. Soon as three o'clock rolls around. Yeah, when those guys got to play, and didn't you line it up? I did because and then you wouldn't get to, then Chuck wouldn't let you play. No, and, and, and believe me, I was disappointed because I thought I was going to finally get to play with one of my guitar heroes. Now, um, at the time, that was Riverfest, I believe, and uh, Randy Levy and Gene Hollister and Rose Productions, I think, were putting that on. Uh, Randy, I knew Randy Levy. And Sue McLean and Randy Levy started together in Shown Productions many, many years ago. Sue went on to do her own thing, and Randy, Randy Levy uh, form, formed Rose Productions. And I don't know if it was Rose that was putting on Riverfest at the time. Uh, perhaps it was. But it was Randy Levy and his people. And I knew him. And when I heard that Chuck Berry was coming, I knew that Chuck Berry pick, had used pit, uh, pickup bands in every town. So I said, I call uh, Rose Productions, I forget who I talked to, maybe it was Gene, maybe it was Randy himself. But I said, there's no other band in this fucking city that can play with Chuck Berry other than us. Because we, we were big Chuck Berry fans. I've been doing Chuck Berry songs year, over the years. Many, many songs for many, many, many years. One of my heroes and stuff. Ben Kaplan loved him and stuff like that. And um, we just would, you know, there was just nobody in this town that knew Chuck Berry as well as we did. And... And, uh, well, they, we got the gig. So I'm all excited. I'm like, I got my Gibson 335, black 335, Gibson 335. It's like Dave Edmonds. But Chuck, uh, Chuck Berry plays a 335, too, although his is a little more, like, custom, like, just the most beautiful thing. But I got my, I got my Dave Edmonds black 335, Gibson 335 guitar, and uh, I'm ready to go, man. And... Uh, 
that I found out. Uh, and the band, of course, is just super excited and stuff. Gary Snow was playing bass, Bob Burns on the keyboards, and Ben Kaplan on drums. Uh, Bob Burns got to use a grand piano on stage. None of this electric piano bullshit or anything like that. We had some real, we had the real big keys up there. And, uh, but I found out uh, Chuck did not want another guitar player on stage. So I actually then became Chuck's roadie, a guitar tech. And uh, in the middle of the set, Chuck broke a string on his guitar, this guitar he's had for years and years and years. So he, I gave him my 335. He played my 335 for a couple songs while I changed the string on, on Chuck's guitar. And then I got it back out to Chuck and stuff. And, and uh, Chuck had made mention of uh, talking to the audience about uh, how this guitar was nice. Uh, my guitar he was using was so nice and it's kind of like mine and it's cool and whatever. And Chuck was Chuck has been known to be uh, not a really nice guy sometimes. And... Um, he was very nice with us that night and very complimentary and even was handing out compliments to the band members uh, on stage to the audience and stuff. But I'll tell you uh, what's funny about Chuck is he does not get to the gig until about, 50, about a half hour before his set. He sits in the Cadillac with his girlfriend and I went up to Chuck and he rolled down the window. I said, hi, I'm, uh, I'm the leader of the band that's going to be backing you up. Anything I should tell the boys? And he said, just tell them to watch my foot because that's when we break. And, uh, and that's about it. Uh, just watch the foot. So about 15 minutes before the set, Chuck goes from the car into his dressing room, changes into his stage outfit, the one which he's been wearing for about 100 years, which is awesomely gaudy and 70s and awesome. And, but, and then the band, before he comes out on stage, the band gets in their places, and then Chuck comes on stage. Well, Chuck doesn't tell you what song he's going to do. He doesn't tell you what key the song is going to be in. Basically, you have to figure that out on your own. So... So my guys, you know, they're like shitting bricks, and they're like going, "Oh my God, what?" But they, they did it, and they did it with flying. They did it with flying colors, and that that speaks highly of their just their intuitiveness and how well they know their own instruments and stuff like that. They'd have to kind of look around to see what key Chuck Berry was playing the guitar in, and he and he wouldn't tell him what song or what key it was in. But they carried it off. They pulled it off. They pulled it off with flying colors. And Chuck Berry was giving them compliments and, and, and get, let Bobby Burns. I said, Bobby, before the gig, list, bone up on your Johnny Johnson. You know, when Chuck Berry started, Johnny Johnson, it was the Johnny Johnson trio. And Chuck Berry joined Johnny Johnson. And Johnny Johnson, then it, and then it became Chuck Berry. But Johnny Johnson uh, played keyboards with Chuck Berry for many, 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 many years. And... Uh, when uh, before the gig, I said, I said, Bob Burns, listen to your Johnny Johnson now. Do your do your do your homework and stuff like that. And he did, and he was great. And Chuck even gave uh, Bob Burns a little room to move on the keyboards up on stage live, and it was really? it was fucking awesome. And Bob Burns was just awesome, and uh, um, yeah, and it worked out really well. And then after the show, after the set. We were backstage, and I asked to get a picture with him, and he took a picture with me. People were snapping photos, and uh, the rest of the band wanted to get in on the picture, and he said, no, just just Robert. And in, there are some pictures with a couple of the other band members and stuff, but there's there are pictures on the Facebook timeline somewhere uh, of me and Chuck 
you know. But he didn't want the other band members to be in the picture. He just wanted the picture to be. And he didn't hang around and really hang out too much longer after he was done and stuff. But I did was I did manage to get a couple pictures with him. And there are actually a couple other pictures with uh, with a couple of the other band members with him. And I think somebody took some photos of of actual when they were on stage playing too. So there's that. But it was an awesome experience. And even though I didn't get to play with him. I still was grooving on it, man. I was digging that. It was a great moment for the, for the guys in my band, and uh, it was just cool to, uh, to to hang with him and and change the string on his guitar. Oh my God! Yeah. what a great story, and it's yeah. awesome to hear it from your perspective. Uh, just exciting folklore stuff that makes this whole scene and life just kind of fun. It was it was an amazing moment in my history, and when I think back on certain moments in, in my history, I'm, I'm thinking, did that really happen, or did I dream that? Because that's how kind of surreal it seems like that. You know, it seems sometimes. and But it did happen, and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> talking about guitars and talking about songwriting and acoustic, since your earliest days like in your early videos of I Remember Romance and stuff, right. to even, are you playing the same SG guitar? No. The pinup one? Or you just like those SG guitars? I like SG guitars. I've played other guitars over the years. Um, I, at one point in my life, had a telly, and I love tellies and stuff. Um, I saw that in the, it's in the 80s, the O's era, in the telly era? I, the had, one. I, I had one for a while. But um, I, I like Marshall amps, and I like Gibson guitars. And as it turned out, at one point, I had a Gibson Custom, which was the three gold pickups, gold trim, and stuff like that. Um, I think I was using those in some of those early videos. Videos. Uh, that was stolen in New York. Um, I've used a Gibson Black 335, uh, Dave Edmond style, uh, at one point. But mostly SGs, um, I, the white SG. And then I picked up a single pickup uh, uh, SG Junior. About an, It's a 1961, which I still use. Um, I actually had it stolen for a bunch of years, and then I got it back, which is like, thank you uh, to, the, to the heavenly forces or whatever. But um, I, and I've used the, the single pickup... Um, White SG Junior with the pinup sticker on it is the one I've been using for many, many, many years. I like I like my guitars simple. I like them like a customized hot rod. I want them simple. I want them stripped down, and I want a dirty ass rock and roll sound. <laughs> I don't need nothing fancy, and I don't use any pedals except for a, a tuning pedal and maybe a chorus pedal on a rare, 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 rare occasion, and that's all I use. I'm running. Uh, uh, right into my uh, little 50-watt Marshall, uh, and um, I got my uh, SG, and uh, that's all I need. But I think people are going to be surprised because I just picked up a new guitar, and it's a Gibson. It's a Les Paul model. It looks like a little, it's a single cutaway, uh, all black, single pickup, single humbucker pickup. It looks like a, a, a Les Paul Jr., single cutaway. It's all black, one pickup, uh, single pickup humbucker. Um, it's a custom stripped down. It's a newer model of a Gibson guitar. Um, it's uh, and um, it's an awesome guitar. I'll be playing it at the Mirrors Park show 
uh, August 17th. Uh, we're over at Mears Park. I'll be playing it then. I think a lot of people will be surprised to see me playing a different guitar. But I'll be bringing my SG too because I'll be using that on some songs too. But I did. I I haven't bought a I haven't bought a guitar in fucking years, dude. Uh, and. I have one acoustic electric guitar at home. It's a, it's a Guild guitar. It's a beautiful guitar. And then I have my SG, which I've been playing for years and years and years. And now I just bought this, like, uh, Les Paul Jr., uh, Les Paul model. So That's awesome, yeah. man. Um, we're kind of wrapping up here, episode sure, two. Yeah. Oh, could we do one more episode? I want to ask you about the Longhorn yeah. and I Remember Romance. Let's do it. If that's yeah. cool. Let's but I was do it. the story behind the song segment and going over all your stuff, I'd like to ask you about another song. For sure. Uh, since we're talking about like good times and happy, sure, happy things, whatever, the 1986 record, Paint the Sky is a song, Wonderful Life. Yeah. I love that song. It's awesome. one of my top five Flaming O's songs. Oh, that's awesome. What is the story behind that song? Super catchy song. Yeah. Um, uh, it's great, once again, that great kind of Stones-ish guitar riffage, basic just driving rock and roll with uh, the chorus goes, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. It's a wonderful life. And it is. And I am. I am in love. I'm in love with life. Uh, I'm, I, you know... Uh, and you know uh, the the verses are kind of funny. Uh, um, um, love is not impossible, even though you say it. So I ain't gonna fall for that uh, because love is possible and it's great and it's a wonderful life. And I've been through some shit in my life, you know. But life, you know, it's it's great. It's wonderful. Uh, I'm grateful to still be here. Uh, that song is just a hard-charging kind of stonesish rock and roll song, just making my exclamation about uh, I'm in love and it's a wonderful life. And that's basically, that's the basic, the simplicity of it, you know. Not too complicated, you know. We're just uh, more or less concerned about uh, getting that message out there and creating some good driving rock and roll, dude. I love it. Mr. Robert Wilkinson. Thanks for being on the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Please tune in next week for part three. All right. Nice. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Staring Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time.